0: From the Mercy One studio.
1: Support for Faith on Trial and Iowa Catholic Radio provided in part by Imogene Ingredients.
0: Our freedom of conscience and religion is being challenged by laws and regulations imposed by secular society. It's time to hear from the top Christian litigators in the nation who have come forward to tell us the truth and help us defend
1: our faith.
2: Hear ye, hear ye. All rise. Faith on trial with Defender of the Faith, Deacon Mike Mano, is in session.
1: And good Thursday morning from the Mercy One Studios in West Des Moines. I'm Deacon Mike Mano here with Gina Noll. Gina, how are you this morning? I am doing well. It's always
3: easier to do the show when the sun is out. Yeah. The temperature's not <laughs> Much below easier 30.
1: even to get out of bed when the sun is That's out. Yeah.
3: exactly right. It's did a you good day. S-
1: did you see our president last night?
3: Um, I have not watched his communication yet. I was in the middle of uh, a trigonometry review with ah, my daughter. okay. Mm-hmm. Those are my nights. Um, I saw a little bit of... Uh, clips this morning and I saw a big clip um with uh, senator Tim Scott Tim Scott right um I who stole I, the show I mean, really did he stole the show I, I was I was drawn to the television when I was listening to him he's um uh, mm-hmm. very charismatic speaker and it makes sense he sounded like reality
1: to yeah. me Yeah um Biden was very conversational um but he didn't go into some of the details of the thing he he hit the highlights of what he was proposing and all those things that we can agree on, uh, for example, like infrastructure, more money for infrastructure did not explain though, that they define infrastructure differently. And it means all sorts of green new deal stuff. Um, He didn't do any of that. It was a a surreal um, viewing because the speaker of the house and the vice president were sitting behind him. They were wearing masks. The Congress people were spread out. So they only yeah, had like 250 that. of them. Uh, you know, there's, it looked
3: almost empty. The there, there's <laughs>
1: 425 just in the House and then another 100 for senators. Uh, nothing near that. And they were wearing masks. Now you have all of these people that have been vaccinated over 90 days ago. And they're all sitting spread out, wearing masks. So, what is the value of the vaccination? Yeah, you know, and and they wonder why, <laughs> you know, there are people that are having second thoughts about getting vaccinated. Well, there's, you know, right there in front of you. It's you can see it.
3: Well, I, th- um, I, I thought it was um, symbolic, <clears throat> having fewer people there, uh, symbolic of the way the. President Biden ran his campaign and and runs his administration, he's kind of hands off. You know, he's not he doesn't seem to be out amongst the people. So that was one takeaway from just the visual that Mm -hmm. I did see this morning. And uh, the other thing with uh, some of the highlights of the programming, uh, I think that now say what you want about all of the spending and all of the rest. But um, I I think that his programming and his um, spending really emphasizes families. Which I'm very glad about. Um, Families are important, and I think that the value of families has been lost in all of this. You know, we often talk about um, the choice of abortion here in our show and the protection of life. And a lot of times it comes down to an economic issue. And maybe if some of these programs would lift up. Uh, young women or families, um, we would have less abortion. So right, right. that was I, one thought that I came to this and, morning. And I agree with you. Same programs. with
1: infrastructure, same with a number of other things that he talked about. Problem is it's diluted in a lot of other stuff. That's and true. and that's the problem. If well, you just pick out those highlights, he get a lot of agreement on that. he get a lot of agreement on family matters. he get a lot of agreement on infrastructure. he get a lot of agreement on a lot of things. But he throws them in this big pool uh, that's all muddy and then expects everybody to agree with everything. And well, that's not going to work, I don't right, think.
3: Right. And um, And as a true federalist, I really don't think <laughs> that the government, our federal government, needs to be involved in so many of these issues. Right. They need to step back and... Give the power back. Take to Take a the look people at the, the Article
1: States. One, Section Eight of the Constitution. That's right, and uh, you can see what the powers of Congress are, what they're limited to, and of course we've we've gone past that in many respects. All right, we're, today we're going to have on Rita Gutshall, uh, who's special counsel with the Thomas More Society. And we're going to talk about the rights of embryos, especially monkey embryos that are now <laughs> implanted with human brain cells.
3: Uh, Frankenstein. Today's yes, Today's show it is, is all about modern-day Frankenstein. That's right. I'm very anxious to get going on that because I can't wait to hear all the crazy things yeah. and, the scientists are up to.
1: And then Lloyd Higgins from the Illinois Family Institute is going to join us again, and we're going to talk about the woke public schools and what they're teaching and what they're failing to teach and uh, why she's suggesting that we you get your kids out of them. So that'll be um, an interesting uh,
3: Right, because uh, there are suits, lawsuits now, so it'll be... Um,
1: there are so many lawsuits, we can't keep up with them. No. An hour a week, and we can't keep up. We could go okay. on, we could have an hour program every day, right. and still wouldn't be able to cover them well, all. Well,
3: just in Iowa alone, you know, the legislature has been dealing with some of these issues, mm-hmm. and I've kind of been following that. And uh, in Iowa alone, there's some schools doing some really crazy things, and um, our uh, thank goodness our legislature is taking a look at it, and putting a foot down and saying you need to teach that yeah, right need to teach the basics right
1: they're, they're they're not coming out reading and writing at grade level but they have all sorts of other <laughs> information about things that uh, really they can learn that someplace else
3: so I'll be interested to hear um, yeah. from our guest about what's going on around the rest of the, yeah. the country
1: yeah you got a prayer to open with
3: I do in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit Amen God of peace Bring your peace to our violent world, peace in the hearts of all men and women, and peace among the nations of this earth. Turn to your way of love, those whose hearts and minds are consumed with hatred. Strengthen us in hope, and give us the wisdom and courage to work tirelessly for a world where true peace and love reign among the nations and in the hearts of all. Amen.
1: Amen. You're listening to Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio, and Gina and I will be back with our first guest in just a couple of minutes.
4: Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and John Leonetti in the morning is provided by Blessment International. Blessman International partners with volunteers and donors to provide sustainable programs for children in South Africa by leading a 12-day, all-inclusive experience sharing the heart of Christ with vulnerable children in South Africa. Teams are forming to do something significant in an African child's life. Learn more at blessmaninternational.org. That's blessmaninternational.org. Thank you, Blessman International, for your support of Iowa Catholic Radio. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and John Leonetti in the Morning provided by Bell Construction.
5: Bell Construction is a roofing company. They specialize in residential re-roofs, like commercial jobs, and have the experience to meet all of your roofing needs with personal service. With Bell Construction, the owner will come to your home or place of business in person to inspect and ensure the quality of work that you deserve. They pride themselves in working with you on a personal basis and making sure you are satisfied. Bell Construction. 515-963-4494. Bell Construction. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and The Uncommon Good provided by Mercy College of Health Sciences, where you can chart your course for more. This is Bo Bonner. And I'm Dr. Bud Marr from The Uncommon Good. Mercy College provides unparalleled
2: clinical rotations, hands-on learning, accelerated education, and flexible schedules. Since 1899, Mercy College has been transforming students into healthcare professionals. Guided by Catholic values, our faculty put classroom theory into practice. Students are prepared for roles in service and leadership throughout
5: their own careers. Learn more at mchs.edu.
1: Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and Faith on Trial provided by Paul Martin and Paul Mitchell, owners of Imaging Ingredients. Imaging Ingredients supply specialized feed ingredients for livestock and pet diets to improve maternal and young animal health in both conventional and organic production. And you're listening to Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio. We're having a little bit of a problem getting a hold of our first guest here, so... Uh, Gina, you, you and I can just visit about some of this. Um,
3: yeah, you had a chance to talk to Rita this week. What, tell, give us the thumbnail of what's going on.
1: Well, uh, she's writing, uh, and I got her, uh, her article here. She's writing about uh, should tax dollars support creating animal embryos, animal-human embryos. And um, uh, she's talking about things that are actually going on right now. In the United States. In the United States. Now, when I started writing my uh, weekly column for The Wanderer, two out of the first three had to deal with uh, uh, embryos in one way or another, human embryos. And what happens is these embryos um, uh, are created usually for the purpose of uh, assisting somebody with procreation. And yet they create so many of them. That uh, uh, some are always left over. So what do you do with the leftover ones? They put them basically on ice, and uh, what we need, or what happens to them then is uh, uh, kind of a crapshoot. You know, you've got human embryos that are uh, fully human, and they are they don't belong to anybody theoretically. Um there's no question about abortion in this because a woman, once the embryos are taken, the woman has n- no l- apparently legal rights in them. They're not unless you call them property. Now, if you call them property, then who can dispose of them? and uh, And there have been a number of court cases uh, like that about uh, who can, uh, uh, what happens to these frozen embryos?
3: Well, I remember we had um, a story on this show um, ma- maybe about a year ago or two years ago mm-hmm. um, that dealt with um, a divorce situation right. uh, and the frozen embryos. And um, I think what happened is the, um, the wife uh, acquired the, the embryos as right. her property in the divorce. And then she uh, had the embryos implanted and gave birth. And then sued the divorced father of the, her divorced husband for the um, child, uh, um, what do they call it? Child support. Child support, yeah. For this, for this. and I don't remember the outcome of that case, but I thought it was fascinating um, that uh, the courts recognized the embryo as a child after it was born and that, that relationship was severed.
1: Um. Yeah, and and what happens, I remember there was one case, you you got it? Okay. Um, There's one case where the, I think it was the father, after divorce, uh, wanted all the uh, embryos frozen, or uh, wanted all the frozen embryos destroyed, because he didn't want to father another child Yeah, yeah. And uh, and these are the things that happen when you... uh, with play with play science. God, yes, yeah. Play exactly. G- play God. We're still working on Rita here. But uh, anyway, so now what they are doing is they are taking these uh, embryos uh, of monkeys and they're injecting into these embryos, they're injecting human brain cells. And so the question is, and when we get Rita, maybe she's going to be able to answer it for us, the question is, um, what do you do with them now, and what does this mean, and what are we going to have? Are we Are going to have a, uh, a, a, a monkey that's born that's going to be part human?
3: Right, and then how? what are their rights?
1: Yeah, yeah, what are their rights? Well, uh, a lot of the courts have taken a position that the embryos are simply, uh, human embryos anyway, are simply property. And uh, that um, um, if, if somebody wants them destroyed, they can be destroyed. There's n- no general concept, I don't believe, that these human embryos are actually uh, human beings and have, should have rights of their own.
3: I took a minute here just to send a little note to Rita, see if she uh, can, can reach out to us. Yeah. I don't know what's going on with her phone number, but I, maybe I, the phones are down here No, her area. I think
1: what I did is screwed up the number when uh, I wrote it down. Well you're I not a that. numbers guy, do d- you Mike? I do that sometimes. You're no, I'm certainly a, not a, a words numbers guy. Guys, guy and, a great uh, writer. and sometimes I'm not even a words guy. Oh, I don't know. You know. I don't know. But anyway, that's the story in the Ambrose. So now uh, she's writing here that uh, animal experimentation for scientific purposes has been curbed somewhat because of a lot of the people who are protesting animal cruelty and things like that. But there's no protection for the human embryo. So what what are they going to do now with these monkey embryos?
3: Yeah, I I imagine that they'll use them. I I didn't read through the entire story. I was waiting for Rita to give us the highlights. But um, I imagine that they'll use them for experiments related to medications. Pharmaceutical companies will um, use them in research. Um, I imagine that they'll use them in terms of development and and types of um, perhaps uh, transplantation uh, material for for humans. And um, I I often wonder if maybe because they're using the brain cells that they're looking for ways to enhance memory. You know, it could be a, could a be. cure for Alzheimer's or dementia or other. Uh, brain system ailments. So, uh, you know, there could be some good that come from it. Or teaching
1: it? monkeys calculus. <laughs> well, uh.
3: human, he, most humans don't even like calculus. I'm <laughs> sure the monkeys wouldn't appreciate that either.
1: Well, that, and that brings up another uh, thing that's been in the news lately, and that's the number of schools that are cutting out uh, these accelerated classes or the advanced classes, especially in mathematics and science because the the pe- the, right. the students that take going the, to take people yeah. That, yeah that take them are uh, disproportionate to the color scheme i guess of uh and 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 racial theme of what people want to see in in their school system we are still looking for <coughs> read and i think i have something here that may be coming in
3: Kind of reminds me of wasn't there? There's a show that the Land of the the Apes. T- uh, what was that show where the Apes took over the world? Yeah. Yeah. We uh, we we're, we're bordering on uh, art. Yes. And, yeah. And I think so.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, this is this is uh, a science fiction story. Yeah.
3: So, well, we're still waiting for.
1: Rita, we're still we're still waiting and. Uh, Unfortunately, my I have a very old um, cell phone, mm-hmm. and it's very slow getting my email up. But I'm checking here. Um, let's see.
3: You know, I think it's interesting that this, um, it's good that Rita's writing about this stuff, but I, honestly, I haven't, I follow the news pretty closely, and I haven't seen anything in the news um, about this kind of research.
1: Well, there's a little bit that comes through, but they come through in selected medias. You know, some media is geared to, you know, some of these stories, and they'll put them up, but otherwise uh, you won't won't see it.
3: And now, are there legal cases that talk about this kind of um, research and work?
1: Yeah, it usually comes up in the context of what do we do with the frozen embryos. You know, my wife and I were... uh, uh, trying to have a baby and so we went to a fertility clinic and now we've got a dozen these frozen embryos we only needed to implant one or two of them uh, to get a healthy baby so what do we do with the rest of them and then what happens is uh, sometimes you get into a situation where they're like we've been talking about where there's a divorce and uh, and then what do you do
3: right and then the the other thing is that uh, so they the courts have seen them as property in most Pretty cases, much
1: as property, yeah.
3: In most of the precedents. Um, but then we've seen those cases dealing with the uh, research that, up until now anyway, that our government has prohibited here in the United States, the, the genetic modification research, the CRISPR. Um, so there's those cases, and I wonder how that will um, overlap with what they're doing uh, with, the, the, uh, with the animal implantation of human embryos. We uh, oftentimes these um, embryos are left in storage tanks um, at facilities. And I think in California a couple of years ago, we had a facility that the power died and the embryos were um, destroyed. And uh, the legal cases came from that because of the on, on the level of a property issue, isn't that correct? Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's that's what they look at these. And uh, Rita, I think we're going to get Rita here with us. I just found the uh, email. Our apologies that, to our guests. Yes, our, ramblings our, of our very little knowledge on our this. Our apologies issue. to our listeners for, <laughs> for right. having to listen to us uh, tap dance here.
3: Yeah. So I think we have her on the line, and yeah. I'll be glad to have her uh, outline this issue hang, for us.
1: Hang on, hang on. Rita, you there? Rita? Hello.
7: Hi. I'm glad to talk with you <laughs> um, again, Deacon Mike.
1: I, I, I'm glad to talk with you, too. Uh, we, uh, for some reason, we had the wrong phone number for you, and that's not some reason. It's me. I wrote down the wrong number, and so we've been calling somebody else to get on the program. But anyway, <laughs> uh, Gina and I have been chatting here about uh, your articles and, and this whole concept of uh, human embryos and now injecting uh, uh, human brain cells, <clears throat> excuse me, into monkey embryos. So, um, uh, why don't you take it from there? <laughs>
7: Well, you know, I think people's consciousness was raised, even though there has been, you know, efforts at uh, using animals to serve humans with, like, pig valves and hearts and things like that. But this recent study that caught people's attention, it actually comes from National uh, Public Radio, And you can listen to their four-minute program, and you can take a look at the scan. And what they did is they they didn't say that they took brain cells. But um, if you remember the whole controversy going way back when to embryonic stem cell research, and the court said there's a difference when you pluck a cell out of an embryo And the embryo, the embryo is an organism. We're all one big organism, right? Everything in our body works together for the good of the whole. And, you know, you might lose a limb or something, but you still have your your organism. Your organism lives until the organism dies. And so what they did is they took, you know, monkey sperm and egg, and they had monkey embryos growing, And then they took not embryonic stem cells, but they took human-induced pluripotent cells. And to, again, refresh kind of everybody's memory, there was big excitement when a doctor from Japan, and simultaneously it happened at the University of Wisconsin up in Madison, they figured out how to take an adult skin cell and reprogram that skin cell and turn it Back to make it embryonic-like, meaning that that cell could give rise to any cell in the human body. Okay, and so unlike an embryo that has um, placenta components, it has cord components, it has landing gear, if you will, that will land in the uterus. That's considered, you know, totipotent—the full human organism, everything the embryonic stem cell or the induced pluripotent cell would be considered a derivative from the embryo. So they took the induced human pluripotent cells and they injected those into the developing monkey embryos. And what you can see visually, if you pull up the article, from National Public Radio, or they have one where you can watch, is these early monkey embryos that were allowed to grow, they were able to trace and light up through their scientific experimentation which cells in the embryo were human and which ones were monkeys. And so the physician who um, wanted to do, or the researcher rather, who wanted to do this experiment said, I'm not trying to create a new organism. I'm just trying to see how animal cells and human cells can communicate with each other, because this research might be helpful for organ donation, because we have a shortage of organ donation. But what I think the scientist is missing is that there was a growing monkey life or embryo, and they took 132 of these and studied them and injected these cells into them and let them grow out for 19 days. And so that was the period of experimentation. And so they were able to make, if you will, a growing being with human cells integrated into the being, and we kind of describe, you know, a mixed species as a chimera. That's the ancient kind of Greek word um, for for the mixed species. Now, we've done other things, like if you go back in time to 2003, they were taking cow eggs, and they were taking rabbit eggs, and they were taking the nucleus out of those cells and putting... You know, human cells um, in inside to see how how they would grow, but this is the first time like an animal so close to us. So some of the ethicists started having questions about what are we doing? All
1: right, <clears throat> I can understand um, doing something to further science to uh, for human health and human um, help with diseases and whatever. Uh, they want to use these experiments for. But what happens with that uh, embryo if it's implanted into a monkey and it grows to become a monkey or a partial monkey (laughs) or whatever it is? I mean, that seems to me to have some real problems attached to that action.
7: And that's exactly what other ethicists questioned as well so some people will say well since you did not let the organism grow through birth it's just experimentation but then you miss the point that this is a developing being now is this a chimera being yes how how much human you know how are you going to define that calculate that with the cells and then kind of going back to what you said in the beginning, someone questioned, well, what if some of these human cells end up being in the brain? And, you know, you have a more creature with, with, with brain cells that can think and, and react. How are they categorized now? Are they subhuman, um, higher than a monkey status? So the problem we always have, is the whole slippery slope notion with with what we allow in and do we have bright lines and do we recognize sometimes that you know organisms are beings and so is that different than just taking tissue in a laboratory that's never going to be a a being, never going to organize itself into a a person. Uh, in an organized manner, but just remain tissue. Um, so I, I think for the, the average person, um, it's sometimes hard to understand exactly what's going on. We want to have research um, to help us to understand, but what are the means to get there? And this is where the question comes in with, with what are we doing.
3: Well, and then and then to project into the future, had one of these quote-unquote beings, uh, chimera, be, been um, developed to um, full term, uh, what happens next? Will they, I mean, when they reproduce, do they have some human qualities in their reproduction? And then wh- where does that take us?
7: That's an excellent question, and that's also what one of the ethicists, you know, asked in the story. Um, they said we wouldn't want chimeras getting to the point where they could then produce human eggs and, you know, human sperm. Um, and, and, and then what would happen? So um, it's kind of caught the attention of scientists with, you know, should we allow this research? Where are we going to go with this research? Are there going to be limitations on this type of research? And you know, right now in our country, for example, the only limitations are really in terms of federal funding for things. It's not in terms of what private funds. So we don't do have an agency that,
3: that uh, limits this kind of activity even on a private level or most especially on a private level.
7: No, from time to time, um, there have been presidential commissions. There have been study groups. Certainly, there's the National Institute of Health. Certainly, there's guidelines for research. Um, So right now, there's basically guidelines out by several professional agencies where they used to say with human beings, they did not want any experimentation on human embryos Uh, beyond day 14, and even there, they were trying to restrict the idea that you would create new life for research purposes. They were saying, well, these embryos would come from couples who underwent in vitro fertilization and were choosing not to have these embryos transferred, and that that was where, if you will, the stockpile would be just that narrow class would be able to be used for um, research purposes. But for Catholics um, and for other people that understand the dignity of a human being from the very beginning that you have a human organism, um, they don't uh, want experimentation uh, at any time.
1: And (laughs) we we talked about this a little bit while we were trying to get you on the phone because of my I writing down the wrong number? Um, what is the legal status now across the United States for these frozen embryos that are out there? Are they persons? Are they property? And who gets to decide what happens to them?
7: Right now, basically, they've left that in the hands of state government. So part of that answer depends on where you live, Another part of the answer so far seems to be if both parents want to have you continue to live, you can continue to live. But in embryo fate decisions between divorcing parents, in many of the states, they have not Um, allowed the embryo to continue to live. And when they make that decision, it's usually on the grounds that they treat the embryo as some type of pre-embryo or subhuman that's not entitled to um, rights. It's more like property. And so, therefore, you can have a contract. And if the clinic says um, that the embryos will be discarded or the clinic gave you an option, or maybe the clinic even told you that these embryos are deemed your property by a contract. They made that proclamation. Um, The courts, in in many cases in different states, have applied contract laws. There's also been the idea that are these types of contracts moral because how can it make me have a child? But the whole Big misunderstanding in scientific you know, um, falsehood that's still being perpetuated in a lot of these cases is the idea that the human body doesn't develop until implantation. And we know by today's latest scientific research that that, that inner cell mass that gives rise to the human body, that those components are available right in the very first zygote when development is at the one-cell stage. But the court cases have not caught up with that and addressed that.
1: All right. Rita, we're going to have to leave it here right now. Uh, We're running out of time. And, again, I apologize for (laughs) getting your number wrong. Um, But real quick, before you go, uh, people can follow up on what you're writing. There's a a new blog out with uh, the Thomas More Society that – Uh, You and several others are contributing to that blog, and anybody who wants to follow up on this can go to that website and find it.
7: Absolutely. Yes, we we welcome that, and I really enjoy talking with you and your listeners.
1: Certainly, and next time we'll try and get the number right to begin with. Rita, thank you very much for joining us. You're listening to Faith on Tron, Iowa Catholic Radio.
4: Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and John Leonetti in the Morning provided by Bell Construction.
5: Bell Construction is a roofing company. They specialize in residential re-roofs like commercial jobs and have the experience to meet all of your roofing needs with personal service. With Bell Construction, the owner will come to your home or place of business in person to inspect and ensure the quality of work that you deserve. They pride themselves in working with you on a personal basis and making sure you are satisfied. Bell Construction. 515-963-4494. Bell Construction. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and the Uncommon Good provided by Mercy College of Health Sciences, where you can chart your course for more. This is Bo Bonner. And I'm Dr. Bud
2: Marr from the Uncommon Good. Mercy College provides unparalleled clinical rotations, hands-on learning, accelerated education, and flexible schedules. Since 1899, Mercy College has been transforming students into healthcare professionals. Guided by Catholic values, our faculty put classroom theory into practice. Students are prepared for roles in service and leadership throughout their own careers.
6: Learn more
5: at mchs.edu.
1: Here's your forecast on Iowa Catholic Radio. We have high pressure moving in from the north and west, and that'll bring us sunny skies today, but the wind will stay a little bit gusty, up around 25 miles per hour. This afternoon's high about 72. Mid-40s overnight, breezy and clear. Not as windy tomorrow, mid-70s and sunny. The weather is brought to you by Divine Treasures, a Catholic book and gift store serving the Des Moines community for over 25 years. I'm meteorologist Steve Hamilton on Iowa Catholic Radio. And we are back. You're listening to Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio. We have with us now Lori Higgins. Lori, I want to apologize for being a little late with you today. We uh, had some problems with uh, getting a hold of our first guest, and it's my fault. Mea copa. <laughs> Uh, I wrote down the wrong phone number, and we're sc- scurrying around here trying to find w- where we should be. Lori, nobody's and, uh, blaming him. Nobody's <coughs> blaming him. And so, it, no, no, it's mine. Anyway, Lori. <laughs> Glad to have you. We're happy to have you. Sorry that you had to wait a little bit. You wrote a, uh, uh, a story uh, called A Plea to Exit Public Schools ASAP. You want to kind of pick up from there?
8: Well, that I, I probably wasn't even comprehensive enough, but, you know, when I first came aboard IFI, which was in the fall of 2008, I came out of a public high school on Chicago's North Shore. And I had some hope, even though I knew the bias that is systemic in public schools, which is against conservatism, was, you know, entrenched and difficult to uproot. But I had some hope that if conservatives got really involved that we could do some good in public schools. And I see that it is now the bigotry and bias is so firmly enmeshed in everything related to public schools, which means the American Library Association, the colleges and universities that train our teachers, right. that that we, can't, that we have to get out of public schools as Christians we are commanded to train up our children in the way they should go. And we cannot do that in public schools. And you can't undo the damage done in public schools by having a few minutes of conversation. And it's not just the ideas that they're exposed to in classrooms. It's the ideas that they're never exposed to because teachers in public schools engage in de facto censorship. Exactly.
1: Yeah, we see a lot of that going on around the country, um, especially in areas where – Uh, schools have told their students, um, we'll accommodate whatever gender identity uh, you wish to assume, but don't tell your parents.
8: Oh, yes. And, and, you know, if people are people look at California and Illinois and New Jersey and they kind of dismiss what's going on in those states in schools and they think it won't happen here, it will happen there. We are just the canaries in the coal mine. We are the ones that are sort of setting the stage and leftist lawmakers or leftists in schools will see what's going on here and take it. We just... Um, Governor Pritzker assigned months ago a a task force, which which I call the you know pro-trans task force, to tell public schools in Illinois how to make their schools in effect trans-friendly. And what is going on is really shocking. I mean, it's it's it is not only sexually integrating without restriction access to private spaces by opposite-sex students. So boys who pretend that their girls now have acts, unrestricted access to the girls' locker rooms and restrooms. It's not just sports. It's everything. What the teachers are commanded to use the, you know, I say the goofy invented pronouns or the incorrect pronouns, the, this Trans Task Force has said that uh, they are to have gender support coordinators in every school, that if students who identify as a the sex they are not and never can be feel unsafe that their home environment is not supportive the schools will help develop a pe- plan to make them feel safe which in plain english means they will help children deceive their parents they are saying that on um, professional development that's what teachers engage in on institute days and late arrival days they are to be trained in this ideology and there is no there there's no discussion of dissenting views or even any freedom To ask questions about, well, wait, if it's bigotry for girls not to want to share private spaces with biological boys, why is it not bigotry for boys not to want to share private spaces with biological boys? There are inconsistencies built in to the trans ideology, and we can't even discuss that because the left makes their cultural headway through calling names, and Christians have to stop. Worrying about being called names, I mean we're supposed to take up our crosses daily we're supposed to count it count, consider it joy to encounter trials for Christ and instead we flee from even the most minor persecution
1: yeah and now this is uh, going to be a nationwide policy with the new administration
8: oh if they and you know if they pass the Equality Act which we have to stop also being intimidated or deceived duped by leftist rhetoric because they're masters at you know what orwell called newspeak you know they invent language you know for example they'll say oh we want students to feel safe in school and by what by what they mean by safe is to feel comfortable all the time and to never encounter any ideas that they don't like but they only apply that to students on the left, or students who identify as homosexual, or students who identify as gender non-binary, they could not care less if they make theologically orthodox Christian students feel unsafe. And so if they pass the Equality Act, which is not about equality, we will undermine significantly free speech protections, assembly protections, and religious liberty. And so, the, I mean, what's coming down the pike from the Biden administration is really dangerous, divisive, and destructive.
1: Right, and we've had a number of programs on uh, the, the uh, Equality Act. I want to call it the Equity Act because that's what it is more about, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, they want to create an equity there that doesn't necessarily exist. But here's a question that I've asked in my column in The Wanderer uh, once or twice and haven't gotten a satisfactory answer. Uh, if uh, a kid in school, uh, the boy, thinks he's a girl, uh, why don't we address that question? Uh, what is wrong? Why does this person feel that way? Does he need some therapy rather than to pander to whatever idea he may have about who he might be?
8: Well, right. I mean, that's the question I've asked many times in many articles, which is when, when we see a child with what you know, they call a mismatch between their subjective internal felt sense of who they are and their objective embodiment as male or female with healthy, normally functioning bodies, why would we assume that the problem is with their bodies as opposed to their subjective internal desires, feelings, or beliefs? and then go treat healthy, normally functioning bodies as if they're diseased or disordered. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. And we can't even, I mean, we can ask that question. They won't answer it. The left won't answer it, school administrations. And I don't believe for a second that all the school administrations that are going along with this, and even faculty, that they all agree with this ideology because it's so nonsensical, it's so science-denying. And we're harming children, and that's what we have to realize. If, you, if Christians in cowardice try to rationalize their cowardice and going along with these fictions... Think that they're helping kids? They're not. They're hurting kids, and they're not. And, and people are not reading the kids now who are young adults and detransitioning, and they're saying they feel betrayed by their parents, by the medical community, and everyone else who facilitated their disordered desires, and of course all the behaviors that follow that. There, they ha- we have young girls in their twenties who've had double mastectomies and been on cross-sex hormones for years, and are now infertile. They can't experience sexual arousal they feel betrayed their voices are permanently lowered and so we're harming kids and someday we're going to come out at the end of this and we're going to realize that this was another medical scam and everybody who facilitated it Is going to be should be held accountable for that. Uh, I would agree. It's
3: both a medical and and a psychological experiment, really, that will have results that are very negative for society and for these individuals.
1: And the results of people, uh, especially young children uh, who have uh, gender dysphoria, I guess is the technical term for it, where they are not sure what they are. Uh, I think the studies show that these people grow out of that. That children. that's just right. that's, that's just something they go government. through, and that by the time they're in their uh, late teens or early teens sometimes, uh, they grow out of this.
8: Yes. Well, there's two interesting things about that. A- and actually, there's a new article today I'm going to post it, and I hope to post it on IFI and on my personal Yeah, give Facebook us the page.
1: website for that for anybody oh, okay. watching. Okay,
8: so it's not posted yet. But if they go to org, that's our website. And then uh, my personal Facebook page, which is just Lori Higgins, I, um, which everything is public, I'm going to be posting it there, too. But there which they're challenging now, endocrinologists are challenging these trans-affirmative protocols, and they're looking more carefully at the research or that lack thereof, because there is this phenomenon that is called either rapid-onset gender dysphoria or late-onset gender dysphoria, and it affects primarily girls, adolescent girls. So historically, gender dysphoria affected primarily by a huge, per- well, it was a small percentage of the population, but of that small percentage, it was primarily boys, and it typically uh, uh, show, manifested when they were between three and five years old, and left unmolested by the left, So they, and I mean the ideology of the left. Correct. They, they would, over 80% of those kids would outgrow it, and now what you're seeing is, The surge in identification as the opposite sex is among adolescent girls who never displayed any gender dysphoria, expressed it. And some of the studies say we've seen in the past about decade a 4,000% increase in adolescent girls because girls are more vulnerable to what are called social contagions, cutting, eating disorders, et cetera.
3: And and social media is feeding right into it. It's a popular thing to do. You get a lot more attention if you are transitioning or... Right. Join and the, the in crowd.
1: Yeah. Right. And, there,
8: and there are girls, and this is the problem there are girls who are very uncomfortable with their bodily changes when they go through puberty. Sometimes it's because they have, get unwanted male attention, and sometimes it's just the problems with menstruation and things like that. They're uncomfortable, and now. The culture is giving them a lens through which they should view and interpret that discomfort about their bodily changes, and it's terrible what's going on.
1: Yeah, it so, is.
8: So a lot of this
3: um, propaganda and, and it, it uses some beautiful positive words like openness, diversity, inclusivity, tolerance, um, and it makes it difficult to fight against the um, the, the policies. Uh, But there are fights happening both in the courts and in the state legislatures. Uh, For me, it's hard to follow what's going on in each of the different states. Is there some place, is there a website or uh, some organization
8: that's tracking all of these cases and legislation? Well, I don't know if there's a sort of a landing place for all of them. Everyone in their own states should be able to find out what's going on. The, I mean, the good news is there's a, lot of, there's a number of states now proposing legislation that would ban, which I had suggested, oh gosh, I don't know, three, five years ago, that we propose if they can ban counseling for people who experience unwanted same-sex attraction or gender dysphoria, we should be able to inv- uh, ban medical practices, medical malpractice, where we are, you know, I mean, girls as young as 13 in many states can have double mastectomies. Who, I mean, it's, like, it's, it's really outrageous. I mean, so, and I want to say one thing, because you talked about m- some of the medical and prof- professional medical and mental health uh, organizations that support these. The American Academy of Pediatrics, are often touted as they support this trans transformative protocol, which is technically true, but I did an article, two articles i 've done on researched who exactly came up with these policies, and it 's fewer than fifty people in an organization that has somewhere around sixty six thousand members and it was a leftist panel that was appointed or committee that came up with these policies. It was maybe two dozen or fewer, and then another panel of a a dozen or so who okayed that, and it's never sent to the entire Academy of Pediatrics. There's no minority report. In fact, many pediatricians don't even hear about these until it goes out in the press. So it is not the entire American Academy of Pediatrics that affirms these. And the same goes for the mental health organizations that have yeah, been Yeah, the DSM has
1: been amended that way, too, and uh, it, it's a tragedy. Lawyer, well, we're going to have to leave it at this. Uh, we'll have you back again, and when you get your new uh, post up or your new column up, we'll put it on our blog so, or a link on our blog so the people can get to it.
8: Great. thanks so much. Thank you,
1: Lori Higgins. Sorry to have to cut you off here, but... Uh, My mistake at the very beginning. Thank you for joining us again. It was a pleasure having you. Lori Higgins from the Illinois Family Institute and Gina and I will be right back after these messages.
0: Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and Catholic Women Now provided in part by Permar Security providing security solutions for homes and businesses since 1953. Permar Security is a Catholic-owned family business supplying security systems, access control systems, video surveillance, fire alarm systems, and video doorbells. All alarm systems are monitored out of their monitoring center located in the state of Iowa. Permar Security, 515-244-5660, permarsecurity.com. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and John Leonetti in the morning is provided by Five Sons Naturescapes. Five Sons Naturescapes is a Catholic veteran-owned family company providing premium outdoor landscaping, clean up and restore outdoor living space with retaining walls, privacy fencing, pergolas, paver sidewalks, and patios. Issues with soil settling and water around the foundation and yard? Five Sons Naturescapes can grade and install drainage tile to help. Five Sons Naturescapes online at fivesonsnaturescapes.com.
4: Support for Iowa Catholic Radio provided by Savage Power.
8: Hi, I'm Teresa from InterVisions, and I want to say thank you to the thousands of women in Central Iowa for trusting InterVisions when it comes to your unplanned pregnancy, and thanks to the supporters who have made it possible for us to serve these patients. During the past 12 months, despite the pandemic, we have served a record number of pregnancy patients at both our West and South clinics. Would you like a tour of the clinic? How about volunteering? Give us a call today at 515-440-2273 or visit ivhcare.org.
4: Thank you, Skeffington's Formal Wear, for sponsoring Dowling Catholic High School football. In business since 1951, Skeffington's Formal Wear offers quality service, style, and selection, providing tuxedos, suits, and casual groom attire for weddings, proms, and any other special occasion. Skeffington's Formal Wear, with convenient locations in Des Moines, West Des Moines, Davenport, Coralville, and Ankeny. All locations are family-owned and operated by members in their respective communities, fitting you for life celebrations, online at skeffingtons.com.
1: This is Faith on Toronto, with Catholic Radio. Uh, sorry that we ha- had the problem with the phone numbers earlier, but it takes me back to my high school days. You know, the numbers that the girls gave me oh. were never the same number when I called them.
3: <laughs> it reminds you of a, a negative thought. But really, our stories today, um, uh, for sure, you can follow uh, Lori Higgins at IllinoisFamily.org right. and find more information. She's very good at following these stories nationwide, and especially in Illinois, and then um, I did find that NPR a story, National okay. Public Radio story. is uh, I just Googled National NPR embryos, human, monkey, we'll put and that the story up. came up. We'll yep. put that up. Right. So we can see some of that.
1: One uh, Before the prayer, uh, one little thing. There's a National Prayer Luncheon for Life uh, tomorrow at noon. NationalPrayerLuncheonForLife.org, and you can uh, join it there and see what they're doing. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, thrust into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Thank you for listening to us today. uh, Julie Nelson is going to sit in for Gina next week. because uh, she's helping out. Yeah, that's right. So uh, until then, have a blessed and peaceful week.
0: Our freedom of conscience and religion is being challenged by laws and regulations imposed by secular society. Faith on Trial with Defender of the Faith, Deacon Mike Mano. Faith on Trial, Thursdays at 10 a.m. on Iowa Catholic Radio, iowacatholicradio.com,
1: and the Iowa Catholic Radio app. Support for Faith on Trial and Iowa Catholic Radio provided in part by Imogene Ingredients.